Welcome to the Mortgage Vault podcast hosted by Voltage. Voltage is a mortgage automation company that helps mortgage lenders and servicers reduce the time and cost to close and board mortgages. Mortgage Vault podcast is for mortgage industry professionals who want to stay ahead of the curve. Every week you will hear from experts, thought leaders and legends on what's next in the mortgage industry. All of this with just one goal in mind that you stay on top of your game. So, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Mortgage Vault. Hey everybody, it's Sanat, marketing head at Voltage and your host today. Voltage is a mortgage automation software that helps you produce and service more loans doing less work. Welcome to Mortgage Vault podcast. A very good morning to all our listeners and welcome to one more episode of the Mortgage Vault podcast. In today's episode, we are super excited to host a very special guest who has not only forged a very strong partnership with Voltage, but also is a champion of driving technology-led business transformation at BSA Financial Services. We have with us Gagan Sharma, President and CEO of BSA Financial Services, a family of companies that specializes in loan subservicing, special servicing, loan quality control, and loss mitigation services. Gagan, welcome to our show and thank you so much for making time today. Sarah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So before we begin, I would love to hear about a journey in the mortgage industry. Now, you have over one and a half decades of experience in the industry. So what prompted you to get started and build a long-term career in mortgage? And how has been the journey with BSI so far? Great question. And, and I would say that for me, the journey started with somewhat of an accidental start, you know, prior to BSI. Like most people, as I got out of college, my entry to the mortgage business was through my prior entrepreneurial venture. So before BSI, I had founded another, you know, what now in the industry we call, you know, component outsourcing or offshore outsourcing company. In that business, half my book of clients were in the mortgage business. I've always enjoyed finance and the financial services industry. And I actually sold that business after about five years. Wow. And as I was looking to start the next chapter in my entrepreneurial journey, I had really enjoyed my years in, in working with clients. Actually, one of my initial clients in the previous business was Citigroup's mortgage division. And so as I was looking at my second chapter in my entrepreneurial journey, I said, you know, I like the mortgage business. I love, you know, I had enjoyed the people. I feel mortgage is also something that is so fundamental to, you know, our people, our consumers, right? I mean, we are dealing with an individual's home, which is probably, A, it's typically their largest asset and, and B, something so foundational to all people that just at that level also, I enjoyed the aspect of the business. So those were the couple of motivations that, that I got in the business uh, with. You know, over the years, as, as people in the, in the business know, right, every three to five years, the industry seems to change again, right? Right. I acquired BSI in uh, early 2006. That was pre-financial crisis. And then clearly the great financial crisis happened. And so over the last 15 years, so many different twists and turns have happened in the business. The thing that I have learned in the business is it's going to change again in the next 12 to 24 months. And the industry requires one to, to keep on evolving. And that's really what it has been all about for me over the years. Yeah. Lots of change, but it's really been enjoyable. 
Got it. It's actually quite fascinating to hear how you, you know, move from your own startup and move on to the mortgage side and the kind of role that you played in growing BSA Financial through the different twists and turns, as you said. So, you know, for our listeners, it would be great if you can talk a bit about the company, BSA Financial, its core business areas and about its future growth prospects. Sure. So, uh, you know, over the last 15 years, how I think about the business who we are as a company has also evolved, right? The company has grown. When I acquired the platform, we were less than, it was a very small company, you know, maybe 10 or 15 people. Today we have grown, we are over 600 team members across our various offices. So it's been an exciting journey over time. When we started, we thought of ourselves as really as a sub-service. Today, over the, uh, you know, after evolving over the last decade and a half, we think of ourselves really more as a technology-driven platform. We think of ourselves as somebody who sits at the intersection of the three key parties in the mortgage value chain. The consumer, clearly, first. But then the lenders who are making these loans and the investors who buy these loans and want to hold mortgages. And we think of ourselves as the technology-driven connective tissue between those three counterparties. You know, we provide, and so the way the business is organized is across four key verticals. Loan servicing, which is, you know, our oldest business, which is the initial business that we got started with. That's the largest part of our business. Over the years, we have also built a business around acquisition of MSRs, mortgage servicing rights. We have partnered with investors. We are acquiring mortgage servicing rights from our lender partners. That's another activity that we do is what we call an ancillary services business. So, you know, quality control, we have a title insurance business and similar activities. And then lastly, the newest member of the family, if you would, has been a compliance automation software company that we call Busy Labs. It's a a software that we built for ourselves and we found so much benefit out of it for ourselves. We we separated it and stood it into a, a separate SaaS software company that is actually now being offered to, you know, all the other servicers and many other uh, counterparties in the industry. So those are the four key divisions of the business. As we think about where the business is growing, we think of ourselves as offering services to our lender clients. You know, sometimes they want to keep servicing. We act as a third-party servicer. Sometimes they want to sell servicing. We want to be in a position to buy that servicing. And we provide our suite of services in a component fashion. They can choose which aspect of our suite that they want to take benefit of. In all of this, the consumer is clearly the core of this. So as we are moving forward, we are transforming ourselves into more of a, I would almost say becoming more of a technology and a software company uh, rather than just as a service. So there's a fairly major trend. The next transformation, what I call almost BSR 3.0, that we are now building up. Got it. So very interestingly, you said that, you know, you are actually transforming from a servicing company to a technology company, to a to more of a right. software-driven company. So to kind of add on to that, I believe very recently, SNP ranked BSF Financial as a residential primary servicer and added the company onto its select servicer list. So what does that mean for the company and what enabled BSF Financial to achieve this feat? So, uh, you know, SNP, we're obviously excited to be uh, part of the select servicer list. They look at this as what servicers are able to have the appropriate risk management and controls as the servicing activity is being done, right from loan boarding all the way to the end of the process. And for us, the question has been, how do we have that level of risk management and control 
not just as an independent function, but something that is baked into the core operating model of the business. So as we have built our platform, our technology platform over time, we have been really thinking about our business on what we call data-driven compliance, data-driven controls. And we believe that you know they are recognizing the activities uh, and the results that we as a company are producing. So, you know, it, it's a recognition of the work that, frankly, our team has done over time. And, it, you know, them being an independent party, uh, we feel excited about the recognition. Got it. So, you know, it was great to learn the kind of initiatives that BSI Financial is taking in the space of risk management and data control. Now I'd like to have your view on the kind of technologies that kept you connected last year, which was a pandemic year. So my question is, how did you ensure that your teams stay digitally connected and responsive despite a no-contact remote working environment uh, last year? So I would say that is something that has been, I'm so proud of what our team was able to do. We literally had to go remote on on a very, very short notice. And, and, And the team just rose to the occasion in a fantastic manner. And I would say Technology is a piece of it, but at least as important is the people and the culture element of it. The people rose to the occasion. Everybody recognized that this was a difficult period for us, for our consumers. You know, our employees were both impacted as individuals, uh, right? The the pandemic impacted everybody, but they stayed uh, focused on, hey, what do we need to do as a business to meet the needs of our consumers, our borrowers, our clients, right? And so the team did a tremendous job. In, in rising up to the occasion, just from people perspective. You know, we as an organization have spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about and, and, and really imbibing our culture and, and, and really talking about how that's important. I feel the work that we have done over the last several years in imbibing that culture helped as people went to a remote environment, um, right? This culture is what you do when nobody's looking. And I right. feel like, when people were working remotely, that really showed up. Hmm. Right? You know, when you're working remote from your living room, you don't have your supervisor walking around to check on what you're doing. Then it's much more about what one does, you know, without somebody looking over their shoulder. And I feel like our team did a fantastic job of that. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of them. But talking about the technology aspect, look, I mean, technology was a significant part of, of what happened. Over the years, our technology team has, you know, invested in all these capabilities, right? You get into all, you know, you and I are right now meeting uh, via video, right? People have gone to Zoom, to Teams. We leverage a lot of, you know, Google Docs, for example. I mean, that's something that has become a distributed way uh, to brainstorm, but still keep everybody on message. There's an element of how does one create a common set of priorities that is uh, visible to everybody in the organization that, hey, what's important and what's not, and being able to communicate that through these modern technologies. So I think in what the pandemic showed is there are certain things that are key to running a business. Right. And that those principles always stay true. What just ended up happening last year is one had to communicate those things through online mechanisms, through, through these video calls and, and through these tools as opposed to being able to walk the halls and talk to people and look at them in the eye and, and communicate those things. But it has been how well technology has worked has definitely been what I would call a positive surprise. The tech industry over the last couple of decades has always said, hey, we are ready 
you know, there are a lot more things that can go digital. The last 18 months have taught us that they truly are ready and, and it truly does work. And that's been a fantastic surprise. Absolutely. I think contrary to what industry outsiders might have believed, mortgage companies in general have been very, I would say, very proactive in adapting to the work from home setup. And to be very honest, what I particularly liked about your answer is that, you know, you said that consumer focus and culture has been the key ingredient in ensuring accountability. You know, when your supervisors aren't around, when your manager isn't around, then how do you perform? How do you stay, you know, true to your work and yet deliver results? So I think, right. I think that's, that's really fabulous. Yeah, Great. no, I, it, it's a, and it's kudos to the team, right? I'm the representative, but it's kudos to them. They've done a fantastic job. Awesome. So on that note, we'll take a short break, but there's a lot more on the other side. So stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Voltage. Voltage is an AI-driven mortgage automation software that has helped leading mortgage companies reduce their document processing time and cost by more than 50%. To learn more, visit us at www.voltage.com. Welcome back. We are in conversation with Gagan Sharma, President and CEO of BSA Financial Services. Now, Gagan, you know, in, in recent times, especially in the current year, you know, the market and the policy environment is undergoing a major shift, right? Now, the forbearance period is set to expire soon. So in the context of that, what challenges do you see for mortgage services? So, uh, you know, if you think about it, post-forbearance, the question becomes, how do we help the consumers, right? The pandemic was clearly, you know, a once in a century kind of an event. A lot of individuals, consumers were impacted. There was a significant amount of forbearance volume. Right. And the question really comes is, how do we help those consumers who went on forbearance plans? So it's really been about helping consumers come to a, what happens post forbearance. It's been a question of giving and providing the right support, if you would. The right solution probably is, is, the, is the better way that I would say it is. The right solution to the to the right consumer, right? What is the right solution for the uh, consumer given where their new situation might be, right? Were they impacted by COVID? Was the impact temporary or permanent? Were they individually impacted from a health perspective? Uh, and so I think the determination of that and, and coming up with the right solution for the right consumer and getting them the help fast, those are the things that the industry is really focusing on and working on. And so there's a large impact on the on the workout loss mitigation teams mm-hmm. across the industry. Right. Uh, everybody's ramping up and focusing on and providing those workout solutions to those consumers. Towards that goal, I would say, you know, what the policymakers want, what the industry wants, and what the consumers want. I believe all of us are aligned in that goal, right? The industry wants to provide those solutions to those consumers. And, and I believe that's what the policymakers want as well. So, so that's how I would think about, you know, our goals are all aligned. Now we just need to make sure that we are executing towards those goals. Got it. So like taking this question one step forward. Now, obviously mm-hmm. you said that as a company, as a sector, obviously we are aligned with what the consumer wants, what the government, the policymakers want. So, so in that context, what will be your top priorities to drive business growth in the post-forbearance period? So I, I would put that in, in two categories, right? I mean, one, from a post-COVID forbearance, one part of our, of our strategy is just providing that workout support, that loss mitigation support, establishing contact with the consumers, 
which at a practical level means how are we becoming easier for the consumer to interact with. Towards that, we have spent a lot of effort in our digital capabilities. The consumer-facing digital capabilities have been significantly uh, enhanced. We spent a lot of time through the pandemic actually enhancing our consumer-facing digital storefront, if I may call it that. And that is relevant both for the consumer who's coming out of forbearance and you know the consumer who was in forbearance but now is fully reinstated or a consumer who never went into forbearance. So for us, you know, digitization of the consumer experience is a key part of it. And, and you know, sometimes we talk about it, technology when you want it and, and people when you need it. And, and so there's an aspect of how do we make sure that we are adequately staffed, we have the right people, they are trained appropriately. So those are the other aspects of things that we are doing. Talk, you know, so that's really, I would say, part of the helping the consumer post-pandemic. Talking about the growth strategy, I believe a lot of our growth strategy and activity is going to happen in continuing to grow and, and deepen our technology investments. Again, data and digital, two key things that are impacting every industry and mobile is obviously a part of that. Right. So how do we use data and digital to move faster, to provide the consumer the right thing when they want it with minimal friction? I mean, that's ultimately the holy grail that everybody's solving for. That's what we are going for as well. And we are coming at it from a servicing perspective. A lot of work has been done clearly on the lending origination side. We are coming at it from the servicing side. And how do we, again, provide the consumer what they need? You know, How do we provide them more online? How do we provide them more mobile? How do we make it easy? And we have, we have started to see some very good success in terms of the new consumer digital experience and how that is backing them. We're quite excited about that. And, and that's what we believe is going to drive our growth strategy. Got it. Got it. So what I understand is that BSA Financial as a company is investing heavily in technology, primarily to ensure a good digital experience for the consumer, an end-to-end digital experience for the consumer. So if I want to broad base this question, right, you know, what are some of the areas where you think the, you know, tools like automation, machine learning, big data can be useful for driving business transformation within the company? And obviously, consumer experience is one part. Uh, but what are the other areas where you think these technology interventions could play an order of magnitude impact on, on your business growth? Yeah, so I mean, again, I would say that we think of it from an outside-in perspective. We say, okay, you know, servicing is not a new business, right? Servicing has been around for a long, long time. But the way we think about it is, you know, whether it's machine learning, whether it's automation, you know, whether you get into RPA and those kinds of capabilities, one gets into CVT or computer vision, that obviously, you know, uh, Voltage does. Each of these are tools, but the question becomes what goal is one using that tool for? Right. And so the way we've thought about it is, you know, what does our customer want? And, and as an organization, we frankly have two kinds of customers. We have the consumer as a customer, right. and then we have our lender partner, our, our lender client, our investor client as a customer. And so the way we are thinking about it is, how do we design the organization to meet their needs? Some of the key areas where, where we thought about it is, okay, you know, what are the biggest areas that involve a lot of activity within the servicing complex, right? Conversions, loan boarding, that's always, you know, a big activity. And in that, how does one do that with accuracy and speed? Because if one sets up the loan right, then, you know, the servicing gets done right, the compliance is better, uh, the customer experience is better, 
if the customer experience is better, the customer, you know, doesn't get upset, doesn't call us, right. the customer is happier, which again, we want that, the customer wants it, the policymakers want it. So we think conversions and, and onboarding is a key area where technology should be applied. You know, I already talked about the digital and the customer experience, right? Does the customer really want to pick up the phone and call us to the call center? In today's day and age, we as consumers don't like to call the call center. We like to do things digitally, right? We right. do everything on our mobile device. Why should mortgages be any different? True. All is available if they need to call us, but the goal is how do we make it so simple that they don't need to call us? They can just get everything that they want. Some people will always, always want to talk and we will always be available. So I would say the customer experience and how do we give them information and make it very, very easy for them. That is the second part of it. The third part of it is to meet all of these needs, there is a significant amount of work in things like RTA and automation to help our associates, our team members, get the information that they need so that they can quickly respond to the customer. Right? Um, We talked about post-COVID forbearance workouts. How do we give the right information to our loss mitigation uh, individual so they can quickly respond to the needs of the consumer? How do we make sure that if the consumer sends us some information, we just ask it only once, we never have to ask them again. So how do we manage the data and, and the documentation that the consumer sends us? So, you know, I'm, I'm probably listing out lots of different areas and maybe I got into too much of the weeds, but as I think about it, you know, these are the big areas that we as an organization are focused on and I believe also sort of Absolutely. Because very interestingly, even in an earlier episode, right, when we spoke to some other CXOs, even they were of the opinion that technology is going to be a major differentiator across the value chain. And it is also going to be a differentiator between leaders and the guards in the industry, maybe going forward in the next five years, 10 years, uh, you know, the kind of horizon that we're looking at. The thing that I say about technology, and I heard actually the CEO of, of Blend speak on one panel many years ago. And he made a very interesting comment that resonated with me. And he said, if you only look at technology evolution in monthly and quarterly increments, it doesn't look like change has happened as much. But if you look at where the industry is today versus where it was three to five years ago, especially 10 years ago, it's a totally different day, a totally different world. And and that's just going to continue to happen. And if anything, the pandemic accelerated that. The change that would have taken five years happened in a year. And so the differentiation between the leaders and the laggards has probably gotten accentuated because of the pandemic. True, true, absolutely. So as we head towards the end of this conversation, I have one last question for you. So what advice do you have for the younger generation who are just getting started in the mortgage industry? Or rather, I would like to rephrase it, right? When What advice will you be giving to your younger self when you look back 20 years from now, back in, into the past? So, so a couple of things that I would say. Um, I've made some very good friendships and relationships in the business over the years. And I would tell my younger self that, you know, remember that, that you're going to make some, some good friendships in the industry. So I think that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is that, and, and I used to say this phrase to my internal staff, the mortgage industry is not like manufacturing ballpoint pens. Every two years, it feels like it changes again, right? Macroeconomic environment changes. Interest rates go up and down. You know, the pandemic totally changed how the industry was working. And so what I would say is the industry 
almost requires one to be very nimble because right. it is going to change. You know, every 18 to 24 months, right? In something happens in the macro economy, interest rates change, the lending and servicing environment changes. You know, in December 2019, everybody was talking about this thing called COVID that was coming out of China. Maybe a few people were. Right. Who would have thought that six months later, the whole world would, would be turned upside down? And so the need to be flexible and keep on learning. I mean, that's something that is personally uh, very important to me as a, a value. And I would say that, you know, that becomes very important, right? I mean, the industry doesn't let you just say, okay, you know what? I know one thing. I'm just going to keep doing that thing. It almost requires you to, to be flexible, to change. And I think if you can, if, if someone can do that, then there's plenty of opportunity. Right. So I believe, you know, someone who's getting into the industry, they have to keep in mind that change is only constant in this industry as it goes. Correct. Change is the only constant. And, and you take the changing nature of the industry and frankly, then you take the change that is now being brought by technology and the acceleration being brought by technology. And it is just, for me personally, that's very exciting, right? But for somebody else, you know, it can be overwhelming as well. So I think it's something that one has to just be prepared for. That, hey, look, change is going to happen. And, and if, you can, if you can navigate that change, it's a tremendous opportunity. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much, Gagan. I had an amazing time talking to you. And I'm sure our listeners would have also gathered a lot from our today's conversation on everything. And I sincerely hope you also had a good time talking to me. I had a good time. This was, this was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for all these wonderful questions. And, and hopefully, you know, what I've said is, is beneficial for, for your listeners. Absolutely. And rather, I should be the one thanking you for your insights and for your time today, Gagan. So, I mean, you have been extremely kind and patient. So, folks, that's a wrap from our side. Until next time, stay tuned. Bye, Gagan. Have a great week ahead.